Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me, See Me podcast. And this morning, on a lovely sunny morning, I've got the wonderful Henrietta McEwen. How are you? I'm really well, Stuart. How are you? Very good. Um, just about awake on a Sunday morning, but uh, <laughs> I will wake up as we go. Well, um, we met recently. We've only been we've only known each other for a little while, but I feel like I've known you for, forever. Um, yes. But we met to do with the CEO sleepout. Yeah, that's right. And I'd also heard a lot about you through L'Oreal and yeah. also yeah. through Errol Douglas as well. Um, and that's why I kind of reached out to you and said, you know, look, why don't you come and do this? Why don't you come and, you know, do this CEO sleep out, sleep out for a night, raise some funds. And oh, my God, did we have fun that night. It was, a good <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really good night. Um, cold, but good. It was extremely cold. I mean... At, this, the sobering thought, though, is that that took me, um, that took me about a week to get over that. Yeah. And we was privileged because we were sort of, even though uh, Errol Douglas, myself and Louis Byrne was hardcore. We went right out from a lot of people yeah, un- under the other back. We went right out un- underneath the stars. Uh, um, uh, having uh, said that, it was so bitterly cold, but we could nip off because, you know, there was... You yeah, know, obviously tea, great coffee. facilities. Anyone wanting to do this, you are looked after because you can go off and get a cup of tea and all that. Yeah. You can go to the loo, you know. Uh, but our friends on the street, they, they can't do that. They can't, you know, they've got no little respite where they can get away from it. Uh, and, and it was actually Billy Byrne that introduced us as well because it was yeah. it was Billy that introduced us. That's right. And I'd heard about you through Errol, but I'd also seen a lot of the other work that you'd done. Yeah. And I was like itching to get a hold of you at some point to say, right, we need to have a chat. And how can I? How can we help you as CEO sleep out and also change? Yeah. yeah. I, I think as well. Like what I was surprised at is that within about half an hour. Even though I had all the gear, I had like a top holding on the floor and we had a sleeping bag and all that stuff. Within half an hour, it was soaking wet. Now, it was yeah. a dry night, but everything yeah. is soaking wet. So when they're out there, mm. it's not just the, the rain that's going to, you know, it's, it's just the damp and the, and the cold. And it yeah. gets right into your bones, you know. Like, yeah, it does. It does. Oh, and it, it, and know, I just how, how can people pick up their life? And carry it with them because, like, I had, you know, I had a, a mat and had a sleeping bag and obviously other bits and pieces. And I remember walking back to my mate's car thinking, if I 
wasn't getting into the car. I'd be walking around holding all this stuff. And how did, how, how? Like, you know, after one night, and I think we all, I think all of us felt pretty much the same. We all kind of carried on the next day, but we were all really tired by nighttime, you know, after day jobs and everything else. But I think what's really stuck with me is how do you carry on? How do you move around with all your stuff in a bag? Um, and like, you've got to then find somewhere else to bed down for the night. You need to be safe. You need to be secure. Um, you need to be away from people who could potentially harm you. Uh, I mean, it's just, yeah, I think that open, I mean, I've done one sleep out before, but that, that at half past two in the morning, I lost it. At half past two, I was in tears and I just was broken by half past two in the morning. I was just absolutely broken. Hmm. It's, and, and people, and, and that's the thing. I've I've been in the world of homeless people for seven the last seven years I've been mm. doing this, mm. um, and I've really got to know it. But everyone needs to do a sleep out, like everyone. Oh yeah, 100%. you need to do one. Just just, and it's not that um, I know people think it's a bit of a flippant thing, or maybe sometimes they maybe do, but just by doing that one, you get to experience. I know in only a tiny bit, but you get mm. to experience what it possibly is like. And yeah. then to do that night after night, you know, it, it's an eye-opener, isn't it? It's a real eye-opener. And I think actually a lot of people, I mean, the emails kind of we got afterwards were just amazing. People that were like, right, we're going back to our companies and we're changing things. Like, we are going to support and we're going to do this. And they've done it. You know, it's not just being word of mouth or, you know, giving it lip service, as I call it. They've actually gone and done it. They've implemented something within their company. And then a lot of people that did it, you know, last year want to do it again this year, um, which is amazing. Um, and then I'm going to be launching up in Scotland as well. So um, Bianca, myself and the whole team at, at CEOC, we want to launch Scotland. So I'm going to be going up towards the end of the month to try and do that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the more... It's a, it's a hard one because I think, do you know what, Stuart, before I got into all of this, I would obviously help people on the street and I would sometimes give money and I would sometimes give food. But now that when you're in it and you're entrenched in it every day, you see a very different side to life and the materialistic things don't become anything anymore. Like they're not, they're just not important compared to what you see and like I was volunteering on a Friday night with charity begins at home up on the strand oh yeah yeah and there was like about 250 people and I was like how 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 can we still be doing like I don't get it and I know that a lot of you know homelessness is entrenched and they they don't want to leave the street they're happy being on the street Mm. but at the same time I'm just like this is crazy just crazy you know it's hard to get your head around. I mean, the week before, I was up in uh, at Knightsbridge. It's a similar mm. thing. And you know the charity, the Restart Lights. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's so odd because whatever way you come in, we either go to Sloan Square and, and go through that way with all, yeah. all the beautiful houses and stuff that are worth yeah. millions. Or we get off at Knightsbridge and we come past Harrods, yeah. you know. And, and the, the sort of – that's the real – the contrast mm. is, is blows your mind because you go for all of this – wealth and opulence and then you go into a church and underneath <laughs> there's like 80 people who haven't got enough money to feed themselves, feed themselves properly a mixture of homeless people or people on the poverty line and it, it just blows your mind you know yeah. like that, that, how can these coexist these two yeah. parallel universes it coexist yeah. at the same point you know yeah exactly it, it, you're right I think the biggest thing I ever saw was over in 
and I love it, and I really think we may be getting back there soon, is mm. the Capuchin Day Centre in Dublin. You, you've got to get over there. Oh, I'd love to. No, I'd you love got, to. You will have to come, and it, it's like... Yeah, I'll come with you. Brother Kevin, uh, he was one of, I think he was one of the first people on my podcast. He's devoted his whole life, he's a, he's a Capuchin monk, and he's developed, devoted his whole life. There's pictures of him in the early late 60s when he first set oh, up wow. the centre. And he's sort of like a, a young man with his brown hair. And now he's a little, a little old man. Oh. Uh, you know, and he, he puts his cassock on to, to do interviews and things. <laughs> and um, he, he, he's just a force of nature, you know, like as you are. Like, and he said, and uh, he always tries to feed you as well because they're so used to feeding people. You don't get out there without a dinner. You know, even if you're not hungry, you have to sort of politely sit down and eat this. And by the way, really nice dinner as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they feed like six, six to 700 people a day. Yeah, I thought I'd take, make you choke on you. Six, it's, it's unbelievable. You walk down the street and the first time I went, I just felt I'd gone back to, you know, Dickensian times because there's this, there's just rows of people all queuing up. And then later in the morning, we're all cutting hair and then you see a new queue forming outside and the, one of the volunteers says to me, look out the window, this is all the young young babies getting nappies and stuff. They're queuing for that and baby formula and all the, you know. And it, 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 you can't believe it. And Dublin's a you know, wealthy city. I know it's had its problems, but... And there again, you know, everyone's having a great time, but there's this, this, this other world that you don't know. And I, I, I don't want people to feel guilty about that. I want no. people to go out and have a good time. Yeah. But what we need to do, it's about, and the CEO sleep out and everything else you do, with, which we'll get onto, the buses, is, is to bring that awareness in. Mm. You know, just be aware of it. Don't, don't float around above it without realising what's there. I think that's the thing, Stuart. I think it's like a lot of people, we're all guilty of it. You know, we're in a rush and, you know, somebody's on the street and they're needing help and you tend to be like, well, I've got to get somewhere. And you, you don't stop. You know, you don't. I think I always remember the story um, when I was on a, a kind of panel and um, Polly Neek was there from uh, Shelter. She's the CEO of Shelter. And there was one comment she made. And do you know what? It's stuck in my head now for two years. But she was like, she was at Oxford Circus and there was a guy just simply asking for the time. That's all he was doing was asking for the time. And she stopped and she said, you know, what is it? And can I help? And he was like, I, I just want to know the time. And he said, you're the 29th person I've stopped. And you're the only that's given me the time. And I just, and that still almost makes me cry that we've become a society that can't even stop for somebody, that we can't like give two, two minutes time to somebody. Yeah. That really, I, I think, when did we stop caring? Like, when did we stop? Well, we stopped when bloody iPhones came in as far as I'm concerned, because yeah. everybody <laughs> their iphone but i think it's one of those things you know i I look at the way we are as a world now we're not connected anymore you know that connection's gone and you know some of the people both you and i speak to their stories are incredible you know they've had life and i think that's what people tend to forget is that people that are homeless you know they've had a life they haven't live that way it's it's an incident or you know they've lost their jobs been made redundant marriage breakdown you know had to leave because of stuff going on at home and I guess that's I got on my you know what I'm like I got on my high horse about it but <laughs> I just think you know we are 
we're too easy in the fact of, you know, we're stuck in our phones. We never look up anymore, yeah. you know. And I think I just I just wish more people would look up and see what's going on around them. Yeah. I mean, and we're missing out because there's, <laughs> there's some wonderful – I meet – Oh. I say to people, I meet some of the best people at yeah. homeless centres and, and yeah. you know, women's refuges and all these, you know, I meet some one. Mm. I mean, the first time I went, we're going to talk about the bus. The first time I went to the bus yeah. was, uh, uh, you know, I think it was its first day out there. And, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, that one, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I don't, and funny thing, there was a little bit of a delay getting there and uh, I had a little wander around and I, I bumped into Barrington. That's uh, right. Yeah. yeah, I'd done Barrington. I've done Barrington's here at the White Chef Mission before, and I hadn't seen him mm. for um, two years because of the pandemic. Um, he hadn't come in when I was still doing it there. And, but it's this thing that I instantly, I was walking, just as I went around the corner, he was standing there with someone, and I went, Barrington. Now, I don't know, where does the name come from? You know, like, <laughs> I, I, maybe yeah. that's, I'm not, I'm giving yourself too much credit because, it's a good name, Barrington, because you're not you're going to remember a name. It's not like, well, like John. Remember, <laughs> I think people remember Stuart. People remember your kindness, and people remember that you've spent time with them. You're giving them a haircut. You're chatting to them. Yeah. You know, you're not treating them like second class citizens. Do you know what I mean? And I think people do remember it. Yeah. Well, the wonderful thing he came out like, and then he came to the bus, didn't he? And uh, he'd been somewhere, and he'd got some something. Give him a, a, a couple of pairs of new socks. Yeah. He gave me a pair. Baron, he gave me a pair of new socks. <laughs> he oh, went, oh, look, look, these are really good ones. He says, I remember, really I think it was at Christmas. It was, I can't remember when it was, but he sort of said, oh, yeah, you have, yeah. You have a pair. And I, and I thought, and funny enough, I come across them in the bottom of my bag the other day, and I got oh. oh, those and socks, you know. Um, and then I gave him my number. Uh, and said, like, you know, I'll let you know when I'm coming next. Mm. And um, at Christmas, I got a text saying, Happy Christmas to you and your family. Oh, bless <laughs> him. I know. Oh, what a sweetheart. And I, was, uh, I, nearly, I, I nearly had tears in I was like, Yeah. Kind, like, you know, these are the people that, that we're walking past. These are the people we're not, we don't know. You and know that's I mean? it. You know, that, and that's what. I think for me, that's the hardest thing is like, as we know, I mean, with your book, you know, the amazing book you've done and everything else, it's like, it's people's stories, you know, and we, I don't know, I think we stopped asking people about themselves. Maybe it was just the way I was brought up. You know, my mum brought me up and she took me off to, you know, riding with the disabled and the elderly because she did, um, she'd help the aged and stuff, but she was also an aromatherapist. So she used touch as a really important thing, you know, so people elderly with dementia and Alzheimer's, she used to go and massage their hands and stuff like that, but they would, you know, she would take me along. And yeah. obviously I used to be like, oh, I don't have to come mom. Um, yeah. But actually it was the best thing ever, you know, yeah. because it taught me how to be compassionate. It taught me how to actually talk to people you know, on a, on a level where you're not standing up and looking down on someone, but you're on their level, yeah. you know. And it's, I think that's something that I think we've just forgotten. And I'm not not generalising everybody because not everybody's forgotten how to do it. But I think we just, we forget, especially in London, you know, especially yeah. in London. Everyone's rushing. Everyone's like, oh, I've got to be here. I've got to be there. No, actually, you don't. You know, you're you're putting time pressure on yourself. Yeah. It would take two seconds to stop and have a chat with somebody. That's it. Just a hi, how are yeah. you? A smile. That's it. 
you know, will yeah. make somebody's day more than you can ever know. Where, where, let's go back to that then. So where, where was that? Where was you? Where was you brought up? Where was where was mum? So I was brought up in Stirling in Scotland. Um, right. So I was well, I was born in London, and then my mum and dad moved up to Scotland because my father got a job in Scotland. He was Scottish, mother's English. Yeah. Um, and so we moved back to my dad's hometown, which was Stirling. Um, and unfortunately, my father passed away when I was 11. Um, yeah, he had a, unfortunately, he had a big, he had a massive heart attack after his 41st birthday. Oh. So, yeah, it was, it wasn't an easy time. Um, but my mum, you know, honestly, you know, you talk about forces of nature. You know, my mother is definitely one of those um, in a good way, in a good way. Um, so she basically almost worked five jobs, you know, yeah. to keep everything going. And I was at the local comp. And as you can imagine, with a name like mine, Henrietta, that went down storm. Um, but no, I had a, I had a great, I had a great. I mean, I love Sterling, and it's still very much my home. You know, I've got great friends there and stuff. And uh, as I said, Amy, to got there at the end of the month. But then moved to wasn't academic, hated school, hated it, just yeah. wasn't academic. In fact, I left with two O grades, as we call them in Scotland, which was uh, home economics and English. So at least I could cook and speak. <laughs> Even the cooking part's a little bit rough around the edges these days um and I moved to London when I was 19 worked at GTC general trading company in Sloan Street and at Tiffany's um and then I had to come back with my tail between my legs because 19 years old and moving to the big city was totally broke and in debt so I had to go home um and beg my mother to pay off my debts um which did and then I came back uh god nearly 24 years ago now so I've actually lived down here longer than I've ever lived in Scotland um but I my career has been you know mainly being a PA um and then my final job uh, really before I kind of went freelance was in 2007. I finished up, I was PA to the managing director of Metro Newspaper. Um, and then I ran the PR department there as well, which was great. And then I set up a company called Miss Jones, the PA's PA. Um, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah, set that up, um, was thrilled. Uh, and then left just before my 40th birthday. Won't go into details on here, um, okay. but decided to leave. Um, certain things happened, so I decided to leave. Yeah. Had a bit of a, I won't lie, I had a rough ride. Um, Myself, I was uh, not financially stable um, and also discovered that I had quite a serious mental health problem. Um, And it was basically depression runs in my family. My grandmother was, uh, well, in those days, she was just diagnosed as manic or as it is now bipolar. Yeah. Um, She was on lithium for many years. This is my Scottish grandmother. I used to call it Granny's Towns, you know, when I was growing up. Uh, but I knew there was something very wrong and to the point where I did have, you know, I, I did want to take my own life. So, you know, and I'm very open about it because yeah. I think you have to be, you know, you have to, it takes a long time to get there to be open about it, but you know, I've, I've done the work, got there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had different forms of meds and we got them all sorted eventually. And I mean, even now I still have to make sure they're balanced and they're all right. Mm. Um, but I was, I was diagnosed as a high functioning depressive. Didn't know it was such a title. <laughs> That's cool. That makes sense though, doesn't it? High yeah. functioning depressive. As soon as you say that, I, I'd sort of get that immediately. Yeah. You just keep going. Like, and yeah. as my GP said to me, he said, you know, your type of depression is, 
can be a scary one because people don't see it coming and then it will suddenly just hit you. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, but the main thing is you need to have tools to cope with it. You need to have mechanisms to, to get through it. And I actually haven't had a bad bout now. Probably... I must say for about two years, but I have to be careful. If I get tired um, or overtired, then I can find myself in that spiral where it's like, okay, black dog circling a bit and I can't get out of bed and I'm tired. So I have to really sometimes push myself to go and do things. Yeah. So I guess it's given me an eye opening to understanding people that have got mental health issues and understanding yeah. how they feel um, and doing all of that. And then I really kind of fell into this world um through co-running buses for homeless with dan atkins which was amazing and we had that in north acton but due to covid we had to shut down because the lovely public health and uh everyone else wouldn't let you do communal sleeping you know when all the shelters Uh shut yeah so we had to shut it which was really frustrating um but then we had uh, one of our guys, you know, we got we got them into work and we got them into homes, which was amazing. And we got them, you know, not relying on universal credits. We basically took people in who were referred to us across London um, and we would help them settle. And then we would, you know, talk them through the stages of what they wanted to do. You know, where were they from? I mean, we had everyone from electricians to carpenters to painters, um, to all of that really coming through the doors at B4H. Um, and then we had uh, one guy, Gianni, who was an absolute puppet, um, had a bit of a trouble with alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate I to that. It. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, but we realised there was something very wrong with him before Christmas last year, and uh, we, um, I took him up to the hospital and, and found out he had uh, unfortunately metastases on the brain, um, and then they oh, found yeah. it in his lung. So when we shut B4H down, um, I brought Gianni home with me and got him through. So he stayed with me, and I got him through his radiotherapy. And then we were able to get him back to Italy to be with his family. And then he passed away in May last year. Oh. Yeah. So last year was a tough one. Last year on top of, yeah. And I, do you know what, Stuart? I still miss him to this day. You know, I, I he, they really, doing this work, as you know, you have to take a step back. Sometimes you need to make sure there's a boundary because, Otherwise, your emotions just get the better of you because you want to help all the time. And you just, yeah. there are some people you can't help, you know, you just can't. And Gianni was, I never forget the one, one, he used to call me Cara, which in Italian means dear. And um, I said to him, gee, in my house, you don't drink. Like, I can't because if you're on radiotherapy and you fall down the stairs or something, you know, gets wrong. I'm really worried and he was like mm, okay I said but I will get you some medicinal form of pain relief <laughs> so we all know what I'm talking about yeah <laughs> I'm not gonna say it <laughs> and I told his medical team you know I was really open about it um and I said to them look he's got six months you know yeah. and I want to make sure that he's relaxed and he's comfortable and he's yeah. you know he's enjoying his last few months that that's the main thing and they were like look we don't obviously condone it and we don't approve of it but you know whatever you do isn't going to mess with anything that he's doing so i was like great that's no. fine 
Um, but yeah, Gianni's death hit, hit us all quite hard, actually, um, yeah. especially the other guys that have been in the camp with him. Um, but we all still keep in touch, uh, which is great. And then, so when that closed, I kind of went on to do um, with Change Please, asked me to go and work with them and consult, you know, on the bus project, which I did. Yeah. And we obviously launched Driving for Change, which is amazing in October. Um and obviously HSBC sponsored one bus and Colgate sponsored the other. Um, and so you've now seen both buses. I mean, the dental suite is just insane, isn't it? On really the good. Bus. Really, yeah. really good. Impressive. <laughs> Even I was like, oh, hold on a minute. I'll just get my teeth yeah. done here. I don't yeah. need to. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's phenomenal. And obviously we've got a shower on there. We've got a washing machine. Uh, we've got clothes if people need it. And really what we're doing is those are being in fixed locations every day. So we've got, well, we're on two days a week at the moment. And then I'm dealing with other councils at the moment to put them into other areas. Um, but it's amazing because the money that um, Change Please Coffee gets, 100% of the profits go back into Change Please Foundation. So we're able to do this kind of work. Um, yeah. And do a third bus, which will be for mental health, because I think is, although I hate, I really hate that term mental health. But Yeah, I'm with you on that. Hate it. I just am like I. Everyone's sorry, and probably some people may not agree with me on this podcast, but a lot of people have jumped on that bandwagon of mental yeah. health. Yeah, I think that I think can be banded a little bit too freely sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I so it won't be called a mental health bus, um, but ideally, what I want it for is that seventeen percent of men commit suicide on the streets. Yeah, you know and that's in the homeless men um the women's figures we can't really get that accurately because with females the last place they'll go is the street yeah. they'd much rather sofa surf or stay with mates yeah uh, i mean that we shouldn't even have that figure on the streets Stuart, and men coming no. so it should not exist you no. know um obviously if somebody is in such a place that they can't see past that thought and i understand that but if they there's this bus that can help them where there's a counselor there'll be a prescribing nurse there'll be a proper mental health specialist on there to help them yeah uh, and then also for women so we'll be there you know to help women that need smears that are potential sex workers you know whatever but they can also use that bus as a safety point yeah. uh, which is going to be really because there isn't anything out there you know there are amazing people working with women out there so i'm talking mm. to all of moment and then we'll try and get this bus you know kind of up and running hopefully in the third quarter of this year fantastic i mean it's so needed um i go yeah. to around the country we've got certain because we started off obviously focusing on homeless people but it, it, it can't you can't stop there yeah. it's always going to uh, blend and, and well, move out yeah. and ripple out and it's you know uh, ex-offenders ex-servicemen um uh, we've we've got uh, women's refugees, but we work with, with with street girls as well. You know, like uh, street yeah. workers, and yeah. they're quite special. You know, like there's quite a special environment. And and I've said before that that, that there's something so. I, don't know, I feel so privileged to be able to just be part of that because um, they've had such a they have such a tough life. That their their walls that are up, we've all got walls up, but theirs are like reinforced, you know. Like, and they come in and they've got this real guarded thing, and and you you know, an hour session, um, alongside often something else, but but it, you, you see them gradually all the walls fall down, 
Mm. And especially with the young, the young, I've got four daughters, you know, Mm. I've got granddaughters. I've got, I, I, I just see them as my girls, you know? So when I see a girl of my daughter, one of my daughter's ages, there's that instant sort of connection. Mm. And then when I see that guard come down and then they just turn back into a young girl, yeah. All of a sudden, like you can hear the, the, the atmosphere of the room changes. Yeah. And they just become bubbly and they become light hearted and they, you know, mm-hmm. and you just think, okay. you know, it, it's, it's so sad that these girls have to have this life mm-hmm. for whatever reason. There was one in particular and it really hit home. My sister, Blinda, obviously, she comes around a lot with me. And um, the, uh, this one got her. I know it got her because we were driving back from Peterborough. When she started saying about this young girl, she was a stunning looking young girl, not that matters, I suppose. And she, she came in and we'd done her hair and she looked great when we'd done her hair. And then she went off and got a, she had a roll and a cuppa. Mm. She's just sitting there. And then Blinda's more, we're busy, but Blinda's more of like doing the list and looking around. And she said, she's, she, I saw that girl and she sat down and she barely finished a drink and she looked like she was just going to fall asleep on the table she said I've never seen a person look so tired you know and when you think what they have to do and, and, and you know and she said after after a while she just really looked relaxed and stayed for quite a while and all of a sudden she got a text message yeah. and then it changed and when, then you heard a beep outside and she had to go you know and you get that where you I don't know. You, you, mm-hmm. you can't stop that. You know, you, you can't. Mm-hmm. But if you, what you can do is give that respite. Yep. You can give that little bit of, as you say, that bus will be a, a safe haven. It'll be a, mm-hmm. a respite. It'll be a, it'll be a couple of hours out, you yeah. know, away. Away from you know, the street and away from, you know, God knows what. Um, yeah. And I just think, you know, what was it? That What's that saying? There by the grace of God go I. And yeah. I'm not a religious person, but for some reason that always sticks around in my head. Yeah. That look, we've all all of us have been through something in our lives. Like we, we wouldn't be human if we hadn't. Do you know what I mean? Right. And right. I know what it's like to literally have no money from walking away from my business and literally having two hundred quid in my pocket and that was yeah. it. And I was like how, what am I going to do? Like, I'm, uh, you know, I was looking, I mean, I literally start wanted, thought, I'm gonna just going to have to go and sell my jewellery or I'm going to have to, and that was scary for me, you know, yeah. someone who's always in control. It was like, what do I do, you know? Yeah. And luckily I have an amazing family, but for people that don't, it's like, what do you do? Where do you mm. go, you know? And that's 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 what worries me. And there's more of it, you know. As we know, Stuart, there are more youngsters coming on the streets now, um, and that's that's scary too, you know. Yeah, I tell you another thing. I really was impressed with the buses. Is that you've got that sort of financial help? Yeah, um, yeah. No, we that, need I think it. that's a great thing. And as well, the brilliant thing is um, that the, the the postal address is it to get a bank account as well. Yes, yeah. So we do need no fixed address with HSBC so we get to know the people and then we put them forward for the bank accounts but the address is our registered address at the charity so it's our registered address at change please 
um, which is brilliant. So it means that people can come and get a bank account. I mean, for example, one of our guests, I always call them guests as well on our bus. They're never just somebody that always called guests. So there are guests that come onto the bus. Um, He is rough sleeping, but he's working, um, but he's rough sleeping and he can't, he could he needs to get a proper bank account set up because one they've just frozen you know how monzo and revolut and all that tend to freeze accounts for no reason yeah or there is a reason but they can never find out what it is so basically he's had his account frozen but you know what somebody at his work at a previous job found out that he was a rough sleeper and went and spoke to the bosses about it and he got sacked for rough sleeping i was like you know I don't anyway, know. I, when I laugh, a lot of the time it's just because it's disbelief. Yeah, you know, disbelief. Like, He's kept his gym membership going so that he can get somewhere and have a shower. But can you believe somebody went and spoke to the bosses and said that he's rough sleeping and that company yeah. sat with him? I'm like, <laughs> what? I know. Is that, how on earth? Like, how? How and why is that possible in this day and age? Why couldn't your HR or you go to that person and say, uh, what do you need? How can we help you? Do you need to yeah. use who can address? What do you need? And we'll help you get somewhere. Yeah. No. I mean, my, so... It's just, it's just, it's like, I mean, my ideal would be to set up a fund for people like that yeah. to actually have a fund and pay a month's rent in advance and a deposit and make sure that they're all right. But obviously they're working and they sign an agreement, but that would be my absolute dream is yeah. to basically for people that are, because as we know, after um, COVID so many people who, you know, lost their jobs, furlough finished and they couldn't afford where they're staying. Yeah. I mean, 300,000 families. It's ridiculous. I mean, um, and this was before COVID. I remember meeting a woman in Croydon where we was working and uh, she had a job. You know, yeah. She said, oh, well, I work. Yeah. She said, but um, I'm, 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 see, homeless means you haven't got a home. <laughs> now, if you're sofa surfing, mm. you're not in a tent, mm. but you're homeless. You haven't got a home. And she said, why I haven't got a home is because where my work is here, and I can't afford to get the money together for a deposit for anywhere around here, and I have to be here for my job. It's that catch-22. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, you know, and, and a very, like, you know, mm. um, ordinary-looking person, you know, you know, like you think she's yeah. going, going yeah. off to work straight after. So it's not yeah. like the, the, yeah. the stereotypical thing that people think. No, um, and that's interesting. It's interesting about what people think is homeless. Yeah. And it's like they think, you know, and I'm not generalizing in any shape or form, but, you know, and it's also explaining to people that just because you see someone drunk or on drugs on the street doesn't mean they ended up on the street because of that. Yeah. So what hoping? I'm like, I said, could you you imagine sleeping on the street every night? What would you do to help you get through that when you're terrified of where you're sleeping? Or as we know, some of the horror stories, you know, somebody lying in a, in a doorway and and somebody peeing all over them you know yeah. i heard of one where somebody had petrol pulled over them and what yeah. they were so light yeah. i'm like when when did like i uh-huh. just i get absolutely speechless by this sometimes yeah. i really do and that's like we said Stuart, and that's one of the reasons the buses are going to be there you know and we'll, yeah. we'll move the program throughout the uk and we'll you know we'll do it but i kind of 
if there's like somewhere that's a little beacon where people know it's going to be and also trust is the biggest thing for this community you know as you know work doing the amazing work you do you know we if you're not there on the day that you say you're going to be there then they write you off because again it's another person promising them something and not delivering so we have to be there consistency is the most crucial thing we can offer and this is why we're quite serious about you know we we, we take on board about our volunteers that they do it voluntarily but the only thing we ask for is consistency to be a team leader you've got Mm. to be a team leader who can be there every six weeks or whenever it is you Mm -hmm. know that 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 you can lead your team Um, Mm. that's why we've got some fantastic team leaders um you know all across the country yeah Um, a bit, bit because it's we we instill that consistency. People have been let down so many times. It takes a it takes a while from the to think that you're right. Mm. You, know, you don't just mm. turn up and then it's a, a full session. You often get there and it's often two or three haircuts. It takes a while to get that twenty haircuts going because they think, yeah. Yeah. what are they after? You know, absolutely, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And another thing is, like I always say to everyone, don't treat you know. Again, I have to say with our staff on the buses, you know, it's they're not in a goldfish bowl. Like, you yeah. know, and I, I have to, I mean, for example, the other night with someone trying to take pictures and some guy got really angry and I went, listen, best time to do pictures is when you're setting up on something, but don't do it halfway through when you've got a load of people around because yeah. homeless people don't like their pictures being taken. Like, you no. don't. No. You know, think about yeah. how he would feel. They're no different. Yeah. And ask somebody's permission before you take a picture, you know. Nicely. Yeah. Because um, some people don't want to be found. And if oh. pictures are going onto a website, you don't know who's going to see that. Yeah. Um, and people do disappear for reasons that we don't know. You yeah. know, we don't know what's going on in their life. But, you know, I said, you just have to be really, really careful. I, I, I learned that really early on. Mm. Um, do you know what I think it was the first or second session I ever did um, yeah because I started in Romford Salvation Army on my own oh yeah and uh, I just I just took some pictures to, to put on mm. Facebook to show what I was doing that's what I think it was the first time second time I went along guy come up to me he said Eastern European I'll never forget he really spoke nicely mm. he said uh, says, that's not cool man I went what do you mean Mm. you put my picture on Facebook and I went oh sorry um, I, I thought you, you know like when I took your picture you didn't mind and that and he went well you didn't ask me did you and I went oh, I'm really sorry mate I'll take it off like he went yeah it's just that I don't I don't want yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I've never forgotten that um, because it was it wasn't done through malice it was just done through equal, no you just you know, did, yeah and yeah. now we've got forms we've got everything and people yeah. I mean there's pictures behind me of people you know but there are people that yeah. don't want to be seen, but there are people that love to be seen. Oh, yeah. And, and they're the only ones that ever get yeah. shown. Is the ones that <laughs> they feel privileged that they're being, you know, yeah. you know. Yeah. no one ever wants to look at me. Now someone does, you know. And, and, and I was even shocked that we went to a particular place for the book and Jack Heems, who's an amazing photographer, had done all that. Um, I said to him, look, you can come along, but this is a, this was one of the street girls sessions. Mm. I I don't think you'll get anyone who wants there. Do you know, there was only, I think one or two that didn't want it cut, uh, blow blow dried. (laughs) Cut, blow dried. (laughs) Photographed, anyway. So there's only one or two that didn't want their photograph taken, you know. Wow. And I was blown away, you know, and some of them were in the book. 
you know, and they yeah. look great, you know, and uh, yeah. it, it, I was shocked, but that's because they they want to be visible. Yes. They feel, un, they feel invisible, they feel unheard. So, you know, it, it's to give people a voice, to give people, a, you know, a presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. that's it. But respectfully. I, agree more. I mean, I think, Stuart, what you do is absolutely phenomenal because it does make, I think, again, you know, when you're getting your hair cut, it's that touch. It's somebody, you know, and I think it's something that they, they feel relaxed, they can talk um, and be listened to more than anything. Yeah. You know, I think that that's the biggest thing. I mean, I know what it's like, you go to the hairdresser and I've got a brilliant one and we just chat away and everything else yeah. like that. And you forget that, you know, what you do is a, is a kind of, is a transformation really from one minute, you know, feeling awful and they're sitting there and you know that sign, you know, their heads are down, they're hunched yeah. and then you show them the mirror of what you've done and it's like, oh my God, you know, yeah. I'm a different person, you know, yeah. and I think that's, that's such a magical thing to be able to do, yeah. to, to talk to someone and, and you know, and, and do that, I think is absolutely amazing. I really, I mean, I massively, I think your work is incredible and we're thrilled to be partnering with you, you know, yeah. at Drive for Change. I couldn't think of a better way, you know, of doing yeah. it. It's for me, it's just, it's fantastic because yeah. you get, you, your team also understand how to work with people that are homeless too. And that's yeah. another thing. That's another beneficial thing, you know, is doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the, I think, because as well, it's such a, it's it's wonderful industry I'm in. I'm lucky to have lived in this industry because even in a salon, like, mm. we stand. So we're in someone, there's that bubble that we have that we don't let people in. But yeah. we're really in that bubble. We're standing above you. We're ta- you know, if you believe all that, we're taking all that energy on. You know, you're yeah, on, on. no, 100%. You're so, and you're laying hands on people. Yeah. It's such yeah. a personal thing, you know. Mm. And I, I, I remember I had a salon for 30 years. I used to see people with that transformation going out as well. And, you know, like, you, you're someone who's suffered with their mental health. I'm going to find a new word for that. Their mental well-being, their, yeah. you know, whatever, yeah. whatever brainstorm after this about yeah. what we're yeah. yeah. But, yeah. you know, uh, uh, and the, the difference that can make, I've, I, I've oh, seen that, you know, on a daily basis in that. Um, and, and, you know, as you said, so much of that is such a, a strong thing at the moment. I mean, I, I recently, oh, I won't say it is because it's a, family thing but mm-hmm. I, I went to it's only like a couple of weeks ago I went to a, a funeral of someone mm-hmm. who had taken their own life and um what I was what I was couldn't believe is that you think people who take their own life have got to that point where they've got nothing or no one left mm-hmm. but this funeral I went to this person there were so many people that had loving testimony, stood and give testimony of what a wonderful person this was. Mm. Um, my my experience is a very special person, you know, and you think it, it's going under the radar. 100%. You know, people, there's, there's, there's the obvious people who are struggling with, with their... Um, with their mental health but there's 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 people that you're not seeing mm-hmm. and that's why it's so crucial uh, with with checking in on people and because these numbers they don't have to be as high as they are you know um, it, it 
it, it's it's and it can be done by everyone can and you know there's a great charity I know Tom Chapman's a great guy and he, he set up the Lions Barber Collective and it's where barbers are talking to guys because this thing of guys not you know male men especially very is, hard yeah they don't say so feelings they don't say anything yeah um, and the guy I'm just talking that was a guy I was just talking about as well you know and it's it's that thing that that everyone can just be more aware you yeah. know. Totally. And just asked and not, you know, not take for granted that everyone's okay. Um, but that's that wonderful thing, you know, Ronan Kemp did that documentary. Um, yeah. Who's, which was brilliant. It's like, are you okay? Yeah. And then someone go, well, you know, and be like, are you okay? Yeah. And then it's like, well, no, actually I'm not. Yeah. And it's like, you know, friends, uh, you know, the kids, the, the guys that sort of created that was because they'd lost a friend. Yeah. Um, and I, it's very, you know, I mean, I lost my grandfather, um, and to that, and, you know, it's something that I think you don't know. It's the problem is, I think when you're that low, I don't remember a lot of that time because your brain switches it off. Mm. And, you know, many people say to me, well, how do you know? And I'm like, well, you can't, you don't actually, because you're not functioning at your normal level. Mm. Because what you're, what people don't understand is that, you know, behind all of mental health, there is um, behind the illness. And because it is an illness, mm. you have a lack of serotonin, you have a lack of chemicals excuse me, of chemicals in your brain. And like people say to me, why didn't you call me? And I'm like, because I can't. I genuinely cannot pick up the phone and speak to anyone. Like I can't, I, I just, I can't, you yes. know, and, and people that don't have it. And I'm not, you know, it's, it's not a criticism because it's, unless you understand it and know about it and know of somebody that's going through it, it's a very difficult thing to understand when you're well, when you're okay. Yeah. You know, and I, I joke because obviously, and I'm again very open about it going through the menopause. Well, I'm post menopausal now, great, I'm 48. <laughs> uh, but on top of that, I had to deal with this brain fog and I had to deal with, you know, feeling utterly shit because I had, excuse my language, no hormones in my body, you know, and trying yeah. to do all that. And that got diagnosed during lockdown. So trying to deal with the fact of feeling on my own and lonely and that the menopause. It was just like, really? Do you really want to put all of this on at this time? <laughs> so for me, it was great when we came out of lockdown. I was like, oh, my God, you can go speak to people again. <laughs> um, but, you know, unless you understand it, and I always say to people, if you can, read about it, because it yeah. just helps people if you understand a little bit about it. Yeah. And the worst thing you can say to someone is pull yourself together, because oh. I've, I've had that said to me. I've had that said to me and I've literally looked at them and gone, you haven't got a clue. <laughs> you seriously. And also that wonderful joke. I'm not a pair of curtains. Like literally. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's leave it because it's very, the problem is though, I think is when you are in a, what, what we call episodes, when you are in an episode, you don't know about of it. And no. it's something that when you can't get out of bed, and you literally have no will to do anything. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I got my dog, but so that I could actually get up in the morning and walk him, get up and take him out. Even today, I was like, oh, I had Burns night last night, an amazing night. And then today I'm like looking at him and he's like sitting, looking at me at half eight this morning. And I'm like, oh, come on.